Welcome to Clover Club and Happy New Year, everybody. This is your host, Erica, and you are listening to the first episode of Clover Club for 2024, a podcast about curious conversations and stories intended to make you laugh and learn. That is my new tagline, and I hope you liked it. Today, I am joined by a guest that I am elated to have on Clover Club. He is a friend and a client and just generally well-rounded, fabulous human being named Robert Kayat, and we're just going to kick things off immediately. Robert, hello. Hey, Eric. I'm very happy to be here. Happy to have you. Well, thank you. <laughs> so Robert is uh, one of the funniest people I know. And I don't want to, I, I feel like that's setting the bar really high, but I also feel like you're worthy of it. It's a dangerous thing to do. I know. I feel intimidated by that. No, don't. But it's like, Robert, uh, so I'm known for having good stories. That's just like part of me in my existence. But I feel like every good story I have, you actually have a better one. And I've met my match with storytelling and humor. And so this is like, this is a big deal to have you up here. Well, thank you. I love your stories and I love storytelling generally. So it's a lot of fun. And one-upping my stories. (laughs) Not a contest. (laughs) (laughs) Everything's a little bit of a contest. So Robert, how are your holidays? They were good. They were pretty calm, pretty relaxed. Uh, It was a nice end of the year. Um, We stayed close to home. How about you? How were yours? My holidays were absolutely fantastic. I went to Amsterdam. Love Amsterdam. The best city in the world. I was super fortunate that I ended up overlapping with seven different friends while I was there. So it was a very social trip, which usually is not the case for me. I go to Amsterdam usually like around once a year, but I'm always kind of on my own and just doing my own thing. And so it was like delightful to have a little something social every day, but still get to do my own thing. And uh, one of the highlights was I took a day trip to Antwerp to visit my friend Amelie, who I met in Ecuador last year doing ayahuasca. (laughs) (laughs) Like what a sentence. (laughs) So of course you meet up in Belgium. That makes perfect sense. Well, I will say she is Belgian. So that was easy on her part. But have you been to Antwerp? I have not. I've been close, but not there. Yeah, I've been to lots of different cities in Belgium, but I've had like lunch in Antwerp very briefly years and years and years ago, but like I wouldn't say I had properly explored Antwerp. Oh my God, it was delightful and just fucking gorgeous. Do you feel a difference between the Netherlands and Belgium? I mean, they're Yes. Very close, but do you notice a difference? I do notice a difference. The architecture is uh, similar, but there's absolutely a difference, I think. And then... uh, People-wise, yeah, like there just is a difference. It's kind of like, you know, Georgia and Alabama are close together, but do you feel a difference? Fair. Good good, good analogy. (laughs) Florida and Georgia are close together, but do you feel a difference, you know? (laughs) So I think it's like, well, those are probably obnoxious comparisons to anybody listening from Belgium who are like, pardon me, (laughs) like Alabama. (laughs) Who are we in this example? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, I I don't know how I feel about that. But yeah, I do feel like there's a difference, but I like, both of them very much like that whole like Benelux region of of Europe I just find delightful which reminds me I don't know if I've told you the story this is great I wasn't planning on telling the story it just popped in my head I was in Luxembourg with my dad two years ago do you know the, the story I'm about to tell you I don't know this story okay so traveling with my dad is stressful and this <laughs> day in particular was ex- especially stressful so we took a day trip from Belgium. We were staying in like Southern Belgium, like in the Ardennes. Um, and we took a day trip to Luxembourg. So we drive there and it's gorgeous. You know, it's like a teeny tiny, super fucking rich, just beautiful country. And uh, we get there, I think it must've been like 10 AM. And so we park in just like a parking deck kind of around the city center. And uh, we walk outside the parking deck and we take like one turn and I see a 
person laying on the ground and a woman kind of sobbing over him. And then I hear ambulances and I see several people with their phones out. And I'm like, are they filming a movie? And then I look around and I realize that there's a dead body in this square, and this woman is sobbing over the corpse of this person who, as I looked closer, and I wish I could unsee this, was shot to death. And I was like, oh my God. And it was crazy. And I'm like, what do I do? And then I'm like, I don't fucking speak the language. Like, I cannot be helpful here. And as an American, you're like, school shooter. And I was like, we got to clear the area. So I'm like, dad, let's fucking go. So we just get out of there. And I was just like, I mean, have you ever seen a dead body? I have. Whoa. Okay, let's bookmark that really quick. <laughs> I hadn't. <laughs> and so it was very uncomfortable and upsetting. My dad, unfazed. But I, yeah, so I saw a murdered corpse in Luxembourg. And I Googled, thinking, surely this isn't a regular thing. And I guess there was like a surgeon motorcycle gang activity in the area. And my assumption is that it was related to that. So. I think of it as like a very low crime area. That's an unexpected happening. Yeah, yeah. Very unexpected. Didn't you and your dad have a strange experience in Bruges also? Well, we got into a huge fight in Bruges, and we didn't talk for the whole time we were there. I'm glad I brought that up. Yeah, thanks, Robert. Everything's fine. (laughs) 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 Define strange experience. (laughs) Let's get back to the murder. (laughs) Yeah, tell me about your dead body. (laughs) No, it's uh, I'd probably prefer not to get into it. Oh, Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's not as good of a story as yours. It, it, it's just it's just like a sad story. Oh. Did you know the person? I just met the person. Wait. You really don't want to talk about it? I mean, I'm I, not going to make I, you, but I, that's I mean, quite, I, the, quite the Well, I will. So, so, yeah, but so when I, was a, when I was a kid, my grandparents down in South Mississippi had a swimming pool that oh. they had put in. Okay. Uh, and uh, a guy in the, in the neighborhood jumped in to go swimming with me and my cousin and okay. had some sort of medical event right after he dove in the water. Oh, my God. Uh, and he sank to the bottom. <gasps> and so my cousin ran to get my grandmother, and I swam down to the bottom and pulled the guy up and out of the pool. Um, and he, d- he didn't make it. Oh, my God. Yeah. How old were you? I was 10 or 11. Oh, my God. You know, I think that early childhood trauma is what makes you funny, though. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do something with it, right? Yeah. I mean, channel that stuff. <laughs> Oh my God. I'm really sorry you had that experience. That's crazy. Yeah, it was. It was. I expected yeah. this to be a funny story. No, I tried to warn you. And that's the whole thing about like maybe I don't want to like, get into it. No, it's, I know. it's a sad story. Is kind of what I'm. You, what I, I really know you did literally it. say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like he's just being coy. <laughs> oh man. Whew. Okay. Well, here's my tie-in for that. Um, uh, it was just New Year's. Yes. And are you a New Year's resolution maker? Um, not, it, I used to be, okay. um, I'm less so now, although I, th- I probably do what you would, would consider a new year's resolution. So my new year's resolution this year is not, it's not, uh, like, oh, I want to go to this city or do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a few, few things that are kind of guidelines for the year. Yes. Um, love that. and for me this year, it's to try and put myself in inspiring places, Ooh, places to be inspired, starting. already starting here, yeah, January 6th. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to that too. Um, yeah, but to be, to be in inspiring places, okay, um, love that. to, to be more curious and, and to just to look for opportunities to, to stretch 
uh, and to grow. And I don't know what they're going to be. Yeah, um, but that's okay. That's that's what I'm looking for for this year. I adore that. I think that's absolutely wonderful. I also am not like a resolution maker. Like I'm not like I'm never going to drink a diet coke again because I don't believe in setting myself up for failure. <laughs> but I always do a word or a theme of the year. And so for me this year, my word is generate. 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 So I am really good at overthinking, (laughs) shocker, (laughs) pontificating, and just like a lot of stuff happens in my brain that I don't then generate into like 3D. And so this is a year where I want to kind of just level up what I am creating. So to actualize what's in your brain. Yeah. So like generating more podcast episodes, generating more sales, generating more trips, generating more authentic connections and experiences, just kind of like, yeah, like the opposite of stagnating, I suppose. That's a great thing. And I think you hide it really well if there, if there is it's a lot the of screen. uncertainty. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I just mean that, that to me, you don't seem like someone who's ruminating about things or, yeah. or having a lot that, that you, you were, I think you know that what, how much I admire you as an entrepreneur. And what you've done with your business and what you did through the pandemic. <laughs> like, so I see you as a very, I think you actualize. I think you, you, you generate a lot. So anyway, that's interesting to me. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. I think it's a great thing to do. Well, Robert, you know, I'm always open and available for compliments and I appreciate those, but I do like, I think of the things that I've like created and then I think of the things that I haven't and like what's left in the table or just like in my mind. And I'm like, I guess there's just a part of me that's like, you could be doing more, you know? So, yeah. Do you have anything in particular in mind or the examples that you gave kind of what you're thinking about? I stretched out of my comfort zone last year, which I touched on a little bit on my last episode of the year. And uh, I, I enjoyed the comfort I found in that discomfort. And so I want to just kind of lean deeper into that. And I actually, you mentioned earlier, so I just cut Robert's hair so that his headphones would fit. (laughs) And During your haircut, will you share what you explained about creativity and the the faucet metaphor? Yeah, so I heard. I love that. Yeah, I can't I can't claim ownership to this. I heard That's it okay. in the context of I think it was John Mayer, and it may have been Ed Sheeran, it may have been somebody else. I'm sorry, I'm not giving proper do proper credit to someone. Okay, but they're not listening. The way I know, <laughs> <laughs> the, not yet. Yeah. The, uh, the way it was described um, to me is that creativity requires. It's like turning on a faucet, and it's. You've got to let the rusty water come out. You've got to let the the warm water, the junk come out. And until you turn that on, you can't get to the clear, cold water. So the creative process is being uncomfortable, uh, making something that's bad Mm -hmm. uh, until it starts to, to flow more clearly. And I think it's a really interesting way to think about creativity. And it's a good reason to pick up a guitar and play, to start a podcast. Um, And by the way, for I do recommend everyone listen to your last episode of uh, 2023. I thought it was a really good episode. Thank you, Robert. That was my most vulnerable episode because it was just me and a microphone, which is... So hard to do, right? Yeah. So hard to do. I also was getting sick at the time I recorded that. And I think I referenced it at the end, but I was just like, oh, I feel like a little something... 24 hours later, I was like in bed sick as fuck. So I appreciate that you enjoyed that episode. And I didn't realize at the time I was recording it with something brewing. (laughs) Not great. (laughs) Was it this microphone that I'm using? (laughs) Were you using Yes. I actually swapped them before you sat down. (laughs) I wasn't going to say anything, but I I, I can't lie. So if you ask, I will be honest. (laughs) So Robert, you're a lawyer. 
Yeah, I am. <laughs> I'm a lawyer. Um, <laughs> what type of law do you practice? Yeah, so I do primarily business litigation, so civil courtroom work, breach of contract cases, non-competes, corporate disputes, kind of things that a lot of great stories don't come from. But I do that. And then we also do some work where we create custom solutions for clients who have atypical problems. I like the way you phrase that. I would say as a lawyer, I, I consider you to be such a creative person. And so it's interesting to me because I think that's like a duality of right and left brain that doesn't maybe exist in a lot of people in your field. Does that resonate with you? I don't know about other people in my field, but there is a certain amount of theater to what we do. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole lot of storytelling to what mm-hmm. we do on the litigation side. And that's probably what really drew me to to law practice. Yeah. And I really enjoy getting to know a a client's story and helping them tell it um, Mm -hmm. and to explain it in a way that resonates with people. That's Um, amazing. And I think, I think there are a lot of lawyers who do that pretty well. Yeah. I mean, to be successful, I guess you would have to. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on your practice for sure. Yeah. So I was thinking about the new years and, you know, my theme of the year, word of the year, all that type of stuff. And just like, what even is a new year, right? And I think there's like this beauty as in like when you start a fresh new clean notebook and just this like like a crisp white snow, that's what a new year brings in me. And all of it boils down to how do I want to tell my story this year? And uh, that's why I wanted to start off with you for my first episode of the year because I think of you as such a good storyteller. And I think I'm just now making the connection that that is something that you do, like a muscle that you work out for your career. Sure. And that's why you're so good at it. Well, I, you're nice to say that. I mean, I, I hope so. And, and there is a work element to it too, but I, but I really, I share your view about the new year and turning over a new page. Yeah. And I love, um, I kind of view it for myself as every year is a, an opportunity for redemption. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love a redemption story. I think a lot of us do. Yeah. And so it's fun for me this year to be thinking about the upcoming year and, and how to make it great. I mean, I love the optimism that we can have. Yes. Uh, if, we're, if we're fortunate enough to have it, there are a lot of people who, who don't, but Absolutely. if we're fortunate enough to have, to see opportunity. Yeah. It's, 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 a fun, it's fun to craft that story mm-hmm. and to be at the beginning of it. I totally agree. Do you feel that more strongly at the beginning of a year or on your birthday? The beginning of the year for me. Okay. How about you? Um, uh, hmm. I feel like it's kind of a cop-out answer, but honestly, both. Like, New Year's and my birthday, I spend in deep reflection. And uh, maybe there's, like, they each manifest in different facets of my life, but I I, I take both of them really seriously. Like, I am famous for going on a birthday trip. Like, for the last 10 years, I go out of town on my birthday. I really love my birthday and treating myself and, like, honoring the end of another personal year. Uh, And I guess I approach a new calendar year with kind of the same just... I don't know. What is the right word for that? I don't know. <laughs> like a new, like opportunity uh, reinvention. I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, what, yeah. What Robert There's said. There's not a right word. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, how do I feel? <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh my God. Yeah. I think it's really important. So I, I had asked people at the end of that last episode to really reflect on their years and what they want to create. So I'm excited to hear what people have come up with because I think A lot of people, kind of like I was saying with my generate thing, it's easy to think about things that you want to do, but putting pen to paper or creating action steps associated with it to actually make it happen is a whole nother story. So uh, is there something you're hoping to redeem from last year? It's a great question. Last year had its, uh, definitely had its ups and downs for me um, in a lot of ways that you know about. Mm -hmm. And I think... I don't have a good answer to your question. That's okay. uh, I wish that I did. You know, I think it, it does tie back to kind of my my 
objective for this year for trying to find inspiration yeah. uh, and to be aware of placing myself in places to in, in situations to be creative yeah. and to be thoughtful. And so much of, I felt that my last year, there was a lot of reactivity mm. and I really prefer to be proactive yeah. and to set the cadence. Yeah. Uh, and so I hope to do that this year. I don't know if that's an answer to your question or not, but I, but I think trying to find my way into to deliberately work towards an opportunity to be inspired. Uh, that's I that's what that. I hope for for this year. Are you a journaler? Do you keep it all in your brain? Like, how do you implement these goals? Yeah, so I do keep a lot in my brain, mm -hmm. um, or a little in my brain. Uh, <laughs> 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 it's a small storage capacity, but uh, <laughs> but no, I I, I it, journaling has been recommended to me. Yeah, and I have started and I always find that my journaling is trite when I go back and read it. And so I'm told don't go back yeah, and read I just, it. I, yeah. I just silently just throw shook it my away. head. I'm like, don't read it. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so no, it's, it's one of the things I would like to do, mm. but, but I don't. How about you? Are you a journaler? Huge journaler. I love it. And yeah, I'm sure if I went back and like picked a journal off my shelf from 2017 and read it, I'd be like, God, this is so <laughs> cringe. Like if I die, these need to be burned immediately. But I do find a huge benefit in just putting pen to paper and just letting it flow because I think I'm, I'm never not thinking and uh, it's an opportunity to kind of like put that on pause and just like clear my brain and so I, I get a lot out of it like I can tell when I have like a backup of of just like brain content I'm like I need to sit down with my notebook um, like I always have I have a different notebook for everything so yeah I'm super into it are you familiar with morning pages I'm not. What okay. is Morning Pages? So Morning Pages are a stream of consciousness journaling habit done first thing every morning on a daily basis. The idea is to wake up, open your morning journal, and write three pages of longhand of any thoughts that come out of your head. So uh, don't turn on your phone. Like just whatever you wake up with. Just put it down. It doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be anything. But once you get into the habit of it, it's really kind of remarkable what comes out. Well, that's kind of like turning on the faucet, like we talked about yes, earlier, Yes, right? that's a perfect callback. That's exactly it. And, uh, you know, I think it's, people can make it work for them. Like, you can do it on your lunch break. It doesn't have to be the first thing in the morning. It could be one page and not three. But I think it's just any sort of practice that gets you regularly journaling. The benefits are just huge. Huh. So. Well, but I'm inspired. You should try it. We're going to have Robert on a follow-up episode where he reads us. Some of this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll read you excerpts from your journal. <laughs> God, only if I could read some from yours. God, my least listened to episode. <laughs> right. Well, if I have to write in the first thing in the morning, it's be like, oh, my shoulder hurts. <laughs> like, totally. I slept poorly. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Where's the coffee? <laughs> oh, that's a very important question to ask in the morning, actually. Yeah, sure. I mean, that it, there's also a difference for sure between journaling pre and post coffee. So I think it's about whatever works for you. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so speaking of storytelling, Robert... You're full of amazing stories, like insane stories. So uh, are there any that come to mind that you'd like to share with us? <laughs> Not to put you on the spot or anything, right. but I feel like you just are like a Rolodex of crazy shit. <laughs> well, you know, I think part of it's like being observant because if you just look around, yeah. there's crazy shit happening everywhere all the time. So true. Yeah. So I did have one, and I've probably shared this with you before, but <clears throat> I had a friend of mine who okay. was in Europe okay. and... He has some good friends in Georgia, a couple the of guys. Country? In, no, the country? No, sorry, the, the state of Georgia. Okay. Uh, in the southern <laughs> United States. And they're, they're really good guys. And they had come over to Europe to see him. And okay. they had been really nice to him. And he 
he wanted to do something special for them. And there was a soccer match in the <sighs> city where he was. And he had a connection to get some tickets that you just can't buy. You okay. can't, it's a hard game to get a ticket to. Okay. Um, and these seats in particular are really hard to get. Okay. But his friends were in from Georgia and it was a big deal to them. He doesn't really care. So I mean, he, he likes soccer fine, but this was a big deal for them. Okay. And it was a big deal to him because he wanted to be nice. Yeah. So he made some arrangements through a charitable endeavor to gain access <laughs> to tickets that you just can't buy. Okay. And it was set up where the tickets were going to be couriered, sent by courier from the owner to the stadium, to the will call desk. Okay. And, you know, there are tens of thousands of people marching into this stadium. And this guy and our two friends from Georgia go to the ticket booth to go pick up the tickets. Mm -hmm. And they've got a, an envelope there. It has his name on it. And they open the envelope and the tickets are gone. Mm -hmm. So he says, okay, look, I want to be nice about this, but these are kind of special tickets. <laughs> yeah. But I just want any ticket. You guys get a ticket for me. And they said, sir, this is a sold-out game. We cannot get you a ticket, and you don't have any tickets, so you can't go. And oh my God. he was embarrassed, and he you know, felt like he was letting his friends down. Yeah. And he said to this guy, he goes, listen, I'm just going to tell you something. He goes, I'm, a, I'm, not, I'm not a fighter, but these two guys back here behind me, they're from the southern United States. <laughs> they're from Georgia, and they are going to fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> If you do not find these tickets for them, yeah. some tickets for them, they are going to come over here and they're going to fuck you up. <laughs> and if you knew him, it would be even funnier. But yeah. the, the guy says, well, let me get my manager. So he brings the manager over. And my friend overhears him say to the manager, he said, look, this guy says if we don't get him tickets, his friends are going to have sex with me. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> fast forward a few minutes. And my friends wearing the employees' badges <laughs> are walking into the stadium with sideline access to this game. Um, it all worked out. That's amazing. That's a lost in translation moment that worked out in everyone's favor. <laughs> it worked out. It was good for everybody. That's so good. And I don't know what happened. I think they think the courier took the tickets. Oh, um, but they and but they said, look, we don't know if, if the person sold them. We can't blame whoever's sitting in the seats. Yeah. Um, so there was no... No repercussion I feel for that. Like I kind of blame them. I'd at least ask a few questions. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a little exploratory research. Right. Do you know how much he spent on his charitable endeavor to acquire these? I don't. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm just curious. That's yeah, I was trying to remember, and and I think it was. I'm sure it was meaningful, right? I mean, these are, but I don't. I don't know. But it, it really was for a legitimately good cause. Like yeah. I mean, he kind of engineered something that would help some people who really needed to be helped and who the ticket owner wanted to help. Okay. So it was a, and those people got helped. So that's good. What country was this in? I don't remember. I don't. I, I don't. Don't want to say. I don't really want to say. Okay, that's fine. I'm just wondering what country I can go to and be like, I'm gonna fuck you if you don't. <laughs> and I'm like, oh god, here's my employee pass. <laughs> No, but I can introduce you to the to the guys down there who can be your muscle. They're going to be like, hey, these guys. These guys right here. Yeah. They're going to. Give me the tickets or yeah. uh, these guys are coming over the wall. That's a fabulous story. Yeah, it's good. I'm trying to think if I have any comparable stories to that, but I really don't. Yeah, that's a different one. Like that's, that's an atypical one. scenario. That same guy had a great, he's like, he's the source of a, a bunch of stories, but he was in uh, Geneva. Mm -hmm. uh, and went out. On, he wanted to go out on Lake Geneva, okay. and he really wanted to ride in a boat. He wanted to pilot a boat, okay. um, it, but he doesn't have uh, 
a pilot's license. Okay. Um, and he went down to, to rent a boat, though, and they asked him, they said, okay, do you have a pilot's license? And Because the only boat we have is like 25 feet, oh. uh, or 20 feet. I don't know boats, so yeah. it was big. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got a license. I don't have it with me, but I have a license. <laughs> and they're like, okay. And so he takes a boat out on Lake Geneva, and he's wearing like a full windsuit and <laughs> giant sunglasses and piling around Lake Geneva. That's awesome. Yeah. Did he figure out how to No, drive it wasn't Lake Geneva. Like... It was Como. It was Lake Como. Okay. I'm sorry. This was Lake Como. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Full windsuit, just doing doilies in the middle of the water. Riding like, around the water. Super confident. Yeah, it all worked out. It was good. <laughs> I love it. I mean, sometimes lying isn't bad. Sure. Fair. That's true. That I, I wanted to think away? that over. No, I wanted to think that over. You know, it's a, it's a really interesting topic that we could probably run down for a while. Yeah. Uh, it may be boring to people, but you know, I do think about things like, okay, is there a, is it wrong to tell a lie if it makes somebody feel better or avoids a conflict or, or not? I constantly struggle with that line of uh, ethics because I am a Virgo, and so I'm very ethical, honest, duty-bound. Lying is bad. But also there's times where it's like, but is the truth worse? You know what I mean? And so that is kind of interesting to suss out if and when there are times that it's appropriate to do something inappropriate if it's for the greater good. Yeah, it's a, like a, a morals, a scruples question. Do you remember yes. that game? Did you ever do you ever play that game? Scruples? Yeah. I remember the name of it, but I don't remember if I've ever played it. Yeah, well, basically it would just give you horrible choices, and you had to decide are you going to do something unethical that is like for the benefit of good or that saves something. Anyway, it's a Like, a are you going to storm game. the Capitol, or are you going to vote in a free and fair election? <laughs> On January 6th. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was three years ago. That's amazing. It does not feel like three years ago. Uh, do you remember where you were when it happened? I do. I was at home. Uh, mm-hmm. when it, <laughs> we thought I was going to say I was in Washington, didn't you? <laughs> oh, I was at the Ellipse. Where were you? <laughs> I, where were you? I was at the Ellipse with a bunch of... No, I was not. I was definitely not. With a bunch not. of guys that are going to fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. No, I was here. I was in Georgia, um, and I think I was Scouts at home. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I was at home, and I was watching it, and it was a little bit, to me, like... Watching like nine eleven, not not so much in terms of gravity, but like it it was worse than I thought it was when mm-hmm. I was watching it. Mm-hmm. Like it, I realized like there was something happening that was a really big deal, and that's how I felt on nine eleven also. Yeah. But when I like when I first saw the in in nine eleven, like I saw the plane hit a tower. Yeah, I assumed it was like a Cessna. I didn't yeah. think it was like a jet. Right, and right. Then, and then the gra- the gravity of it starts to hit, mm-hmm. and you know, learning later how much danger people were in on January 6th in the Capitol. Absolutely. Um, and then seeing the the prosecutions that have come out of it. Yeah. Um, and there, I read an article today about people in Georgia who have been, who were convicted of, of crimes for being there. Oh, yeah. Um, it's really not something I ever expected to see in our lifetime. It was remarkable. So I was at home when it happened too, and I had gone home to walk my dogs on a little quick lunch break situation, and I was supposed to go back to work to have a couple more clients. And uh, I remember there was so much uncertainty and and a lack of clarity of like, oh my God, what's happening? And concern of, is this going to happen at other capitals around the country? Like, is this, like, how organized is this? And I remember being really scared to leave my house. And so I canceled the rest of my clients the rest of the night, and everybody was like, yeah, I'm like, I want to stay home and watch the news and just not be out and about because... uh, this is 
fucking insane. And this is really funny. I have a former client, maybe, I mean, 15 years ago, like long, long, long time ago. This is like a, a cool young dude who was manager at a local bar. I saw him for like a handful of years. And I was reading stories in the days after... January 6th. And do you remember hearing about the woman who was carrying a flag that said, don't tread on me, who got trampled to death? I do. Yeah. So in that story, there was a quote from the friend that she was up there with. And the name was the name of this client, a former client. And uh, I was like, no way, but it is a pretty unique name. And so I Googled and I found a video interview and it was my former client who was up there marching with the girl who had been killed. And I was like, the irony. Wow. Like, <laughs> wow. It was crazy. But then I'm like, how many other people, maybe not even knowingly, knew somebody or know somebody who's related to somebody who participated in that? The kid who grew up, who lived across the street from our house when we first moved into our neighborhood uh -huh. here in Atlanta, he is, he was convicted of, he, he broke in, he went into the Capitol and wow. went into the chamber and sat in Pence's chair. Oh is the Are the allegations. That's what's reported in the papers. Uh, allegedly. Yeah, that's what's <laughs> reported in the papers. But I, I remember him when he was like seven years old or 10 years old or whatever. Was he fucked up then? Um, no, no, he was, in, he, I mean, I didn't know him well, but he okay. was like, a, he just a kid in the neighborhood. Cats weren't going missing around the neighborhood or anything. No, no. <laughs> God, that's so crazy. Isn't that wild? Yeah. yeah. But I also, it's interesting what a collective consciousness can create, right? For good or for the opposite of good. Yeah, it kind of grants a lot of permission, doesn't it? Like, I think being part of a, a group that's doing something, you start to feel like it's okay. Yes, maybe? I, uh, I think so. Like, yeah. that's the only thing that could explain that kind of hive mindset that we saw just kind of consume the Capitol that day. Well, it was wild, too, because the transition of power hadn't happened right. at that point. And so that really put a question mark on it. And that's, again, that's something I just never expect to, expected to see in our life. It's something you read about from, you know, the 1700s. Developing countries. Yeah. You see, developing, yeah, right. yeah, like you, it's just nothing you would ever think would happen here. Do you think something like that will ever happen again? I don't know. I wouldn't have thought it would happen in the first place. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't say that I don't think it'll happen again. I hope it won't. Yeah. You know, I hope for, for, for all of us, and I mean, this is kind of part of the, Another another thing that I hope for for this year, or for me like personally, is to to be looking for ways for there to be harmony mm -hmm. uh, among people. And, and to a certain degree, you can't ever have perfect harmony. Sure. Otherwise, I mean, we always have wars and that kind of thing. Yeah. But but I hope for all of us that that we enter a more harmonious phase. Yeah, I uh, think we desperately need it yeah. globally. I mean, it's just really it's interesting to have like an individually good or happy year. Or profitable year or whatever and then remove yourself from that and just look at kind of the grand scheme of where we're at historically and be like hmm. <laughs> yeah well and you see it in like in, in in headline or at least i see it in headlines where the headline will be you know something like um uh, climate change is going to destroy the earth by next year yeah. and then it's like 12 ways to make apple pie <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> How do these headlines coexist? Um, if one of them's true, it should be the only thing we're talking about. Yes, um, the apple pie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I mean, twelve ways to make an apple 12? pie. Twelve. I mean, like, I only know eight. Eight. Uh, yeah, you know that's seismic. Um, the. <laughs> <laughs> but the headlines just can't coexist. And it, it, and I don't know how much of that is that, that things are amplified by our ability to communicate today and yeah. access to information and yeah. things like we're doing on this podcast. Like you can, you know, 
come up with a way to put your content out into the world, which you yeah. couldn't always do. And, you know, there was an episode where y'all talked about that. Yeah. Um, and so it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting environment that we're in. It's completely interesting. And I think that, and I'll only very lightly touch on this, but what we're seeing with Israel and Palestine, there's a disconnect between the conversations that I'm having with people just verbally one-on-one or in small groups and uh, what I'm seeing on social media. And uh, it's, feels a little scary and a little dangerous because I think what people are collectively feeling isn't necessarily being reflected. And I think there's a lot of weaponized information. And we see that in things as subtle as apple pie making and things as huge as geopolitical unrest. And uh, I think that there's a benefit to everybody being able to uh, amplify their voice should they choose to. But I also think that there's a harm to it as well. Yeah, well, there's a huge risk, I think, right now in that we we can't trust anything as being true. Yeah, and especially with AI. Yeah, mm-hmm. and losing the the even the semblance of truth where you can't trust anything yeah. is disorienting. Yeah. Uh, and it makes it hard to make decisions, and it kind of makes me want to move to a, a farm in the middle of nowhere um, oh, totally and just deal agree. with things that I can see and touch yeah. and grow. Um, it's it's a scary it's a it's a scary thing and there is I mean it's hard to know I mean anytime you have a, a, a war situation the intelligence that's coming out of it the facts that they're coming out are going to be distorted of to course. some degree because you just can't have perfect accuracy with that a hundred percent on both sides it's yeah. just it's, obviously but we also tend to to lose track of what is like a, a truth I was thinking about the university presidents who Ooh, like yeah. got in so much trouble and and you know it's kind of hard to I think we can probably all agree that genocide's bad. Of like, course. I mean, like we ought to be able to stick to a few things. Yes. Um, so I, you know, I kind of worry when we lose track of that. Yes. A hundred percent. Genocide is bad. And so is plagiarism. <laughs> right. Different types Did of bad. Did you see that now <laughs> the person who accused the person of plagiarism has, has plagiarized. Of plagiarism? Yes. Right. It's like the Spider-Man meme where they're all pointing at each other. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Or do you remember when Eddie Murphy played the buckwheat character and they, they, uh, on Saturday night live, Vaguely. Yeah, well, they spoofed. Anyway, they did a thing like uh, the Kennedy assassination, and the man who assassinated Kennedy got assassinated, and it just oh. kept going. But it's plagiarism playing out that way. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I also wonder, like, how do you pr- technically prove plagiarism? Because I would think if I was going to plagiarize something, I would change the wording and the structure of what I was plagiarizing enough that it wouldn't be obvious that it was plagiarized. I mean, are they just, are we saying like copying and pasting? What type of plagiarizing are we talking about? Do you know? I don't know. I'm like genuinely curious because to be the president of an Ivy League school, um, uh, I mean. Yeah, you gotta be be accomplished. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know about any of those specific instances. I mean, I know that in what we do, if we quote something, we just cite the source and you give credit for it. Yeah. you know, but music's kind of funny that way. Like one of the mm-hmm. things I love about like singer-songwriter music, and I think you and I have talked about some people who do funny, do funny things with this. I mean, you can track back from, you know, current acoustic musicians today to Bob Dylan to uh, to Arlo Guthrie, uh, Woody Guthrie, and yeah. there there are elements that just repeat. There are only so many chord combinations 100%. that are out there, and some of them really work well. Mm-hmm. And so there's a certain uh, a fine line between paying homage to something and yeah. and plagiarizing. Yeah. I don't know. I think there's something to, to being inspired by something mm-hmm. and doing something similar Absolutely. can really be a compliment to the the creator of that. Oh, I totally agree. You just don't want to pass it off as, 
as though you weren't influenced in some way. Yeah, I think that's exactly it, is to not act like it's this unique original idea that you've had. I have a very good friend who is in the middle of a lawsuit with a very famous musician over a plagiarism claim. And I don't want to name any names, but I actually would like to have them on the podcast to talk about it if they're allowed to. But it is really interesting because I... I'm not a lawyer and I don't work in that field, obviously, but it seems like a pretty cut and dry, like, well, you know, sounds like a copy situation. But I think it's like way more gray than that. And then you get into, well, who's got more money and who can run this out in court? And it's it's really interesting to watch that evolve. But I mean, haircuts are a good example. There's only so many ways to cut a bob. Vidal Sassoon really broke the mold, but it's like, I is anything really original? <laughs> right. you, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> right. It's just like your version of... An apple pie. Right. Well, what's the, the old saying? If you if you gave if you gave a hundred monkeys scissors, they would eventually cut hair. Just no I'm kidding. You remember the typewriter example? Robert. You'll have to edit this out. I will not. <laughs> but you know, there's that old saying, like if you gave a hundred monkeys typewriters, they would type Shakespeare eventually if you gave them long enough to do it. I've never heard that before. You've never heard that? No. But have you are you familiar? I don't believe it, by the way. Really? I don't think they would. No. They'd do something better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they'd write a story about bananas. They'd write Fifty Shades of Grey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Are you familiar with bonobo or bonobo, bonobo, bonobo monkeys? Bonobo, I think. Okay. Oh no, there's a there's a store. Oh. Like, isn't there a brand, an online brand called Bonobo? Maybe. Okay. That's not what I'm referring to. Then I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. B o n o b o. B-O-N-O-B-O. Yeah. Would you pronounce that bonobo? I would. Okay. So if I'm mispronouncing that, don't come I, back I don't me. know how they pronounce it. So. <laughs> 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 so bonobo apes are actually genetically... And okay, first off, I am not a biologist. So whatever I'm saying, I've heard on probably TikTok and a couple like NPR articles. So just don't just take this with a grain of salt. Um, but bonobo apes are more close to us genetically than, than any other ape. Okay. By, you know, a margin, but still. Mm -hmm. They are a maternal society, and there's no violence. They're the only animal that has sex for pleasure, and any aggression or, like, anger or anything like that that's displayed by the male bonobo apes, the female leaders react by almost not reacting and just, like, ignoring them. They just ice them out. They put them to the back of the group, and they're like, no, we're not doing that. And it's, like, this peaceful, amazing, beautiful society. And uh, there's a lot of studies that are, like, as humans, if we had a more... What, maternal's not the word. What's the opposite of patriarchy? Matriarchy. Matriarchy. Okay. That's close. (laughs) (laughs) But like, it's interesting to observe what a matriarchal society looks like versus like chimps, for example, which have a patriarchy and the way that that reflects in society. But I feel like January 6th wouldn't have happened with the bonobos. Maybe, maybe, but, and and I'm probably looking at this in too granular way. I'm not arguing. I'm just raising questions. I like to think about it more, but like the, the woman who was shot trying to break into the chamber, I mean, Ashley Babbitt. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe we had a matriarchal society, then that wouldn't have happened. I don't know. It's an interesting, uh, so I I think let's, let's keep delving into this, Robert. I think that there are a lot of women who, uh, and, and, and maybe not the younger generations, but people like our age and older, who uh, 
mimic male behavior because that's what we're taught is your direct path to success. Hmm. Right. Yeah, I buy that. Yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. I wonder if somebody like her, because she was former military, right? Mm-hmm. Or like a cop or something, you know, that's a very patriarchal male dominated field. So I could see how somebody who already exists in that framework would mimic the behaviors and actions of the men around her. Hmm. That's a very fair point. Yeah. It's a very fair point. Also, that was like 98% men. And I like how you chose the one woman. <laughs> Well, well, also, what about Ashley Bennett? Well, I also <laughs> chose an example from a patriarchal society, so it's not really a fair a fair representative. It's just what jumped to my mind. Um, I'm just kidding. No, that's interesting. <laughs> How did you learn about bonobo monkeys? Um, I got really stoned, and I went down a TikTok rabbit hole. Okay. I, just like a TikTok video popped up about this, of just the differences in how they interact as, as a ape society. And I was like, that's very fascinating. And then my algorithm started giving me more and more. And then I just like went down this, this deep spider web of it, but it's, I'd be happy to send you some, some clips. It brings an interesting (laughs) thought. So, so another, another area to explore with that is, you know, you've heard the, probably the quote, the past is never dead. It's not even the past. So that's a quote that he's kind of famous for, but he goes on right after that to say that, and I'll paraphrase here, Mm -hmm. that our experiences are heavily influenced by things that happened before we were born, yep. by societal impacts, by family impacts, by family trauma, yep. um, by things that get passed down through generations. Yeah. And I've never understood that quote that way until I went back and read the rest of it. Okay. But if you take the bonobo monkey, uh, or gorilla monkey, ape, ape the bonobo <laughs> ape, I want, to be, I want to be accurate. Yeah. Um, if you take that, I mean... You also kind of have to wonder about generational trauma or generational lessons. Sure. And if you take out the violence or you take out the aggression, mm-hmm. maybe that replicates. I don't know. It's it's a it's interesting. It's an interesting thing. Like I, I wonder what the the cause of that is. I mean, I wonder. It could be the matriarchal society. It could be multiple like multiple conditions. Yeah, I, and I'm sure that that is the case. Just with everything, I don't think it's a black and white thing, but I think it's this perfect recipe of uh, ingredients that have led to quite an interesting result. Yeah. Do you know where they live? Um, in Africa. Okay. I think. Yeah, I bet you're right. Let me confirm. I live in fear of sounding dumb. Oh, you're you're safe. Which did you know that questioning your intelligence is a sign of intelligence? I did not know that. Who said who, that? How do we know that? Because uh, I said so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> What's with all the questions? Well, no, no. <laughs> no, I routinely question my intelligence. So I'm just, that made me feel great. It's good. Then you're a yeah. genius. Yes. No, because you know, I mean, honestly, though, like stupid people are rarely like questioning much, right? They're just fucking happy as shit. Yeah, right. No, right. <laughs> just relax. Let's go, sir. Yeah. Um, Africa? Um, yes, in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Congo, okay. And of course, they're an endangered species, yeah. but they're just adorable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go see one. It's really interesting how you mentioned the family trauma. Obviously, we hear about generational trauma, and uh, you know, I've been through my own personal therapy journey, and that's something that comes up a lot, but it wasn't until last year when I went to Ecuador to do an ayahuasca retreat that there was this thing that we did there called family constellations, where we kind of physically reenacted, and I'm, I'm going to do a whole episode about ayahuasca later this month, so I'll just give you the cliffstones now, and if it's interesting to you, you should listen to the next one, but it was she showed us what and how generational trauma manifests in our physical in a way that 
was the first time it really clicked in my brain to understand. Because it's, it's like, in a way, I think I had always thought like that was kind of a bit of a cop out of like, what does it matter what my great, great grandfather did? You know, like that's, this person isn't even alive. Like how is that an excuse for the way that my dad is treating me or whatever? But through this practice called Family Constellations, I really came out with a completely different understanding of generational trauma and how unbelievably real it is. And it's just, it's so fascinating. It's completely fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I've seen it in, in my family with certain behaviors my father has or things mm-hmm. that he says or observes or does that, yeah. that are not malevolent. It's not like, oh, he hit us with a stick. Yeah. But it's when I question, like, why does he comment about the amount of food that he's eating every time mm-hmm. he eats? Like, why is that a, a constant comment? Well, his mother did that. Mm-hmm. And that's not so much like a, a family trauma necessarily, but something in her life caused her to do that. It caused him to do that. And then that impacts me. Yeah. So it does get kind of passed down. When I first heard about it, I thought, oh, is it like you're saying it's built into our genes somehow, which it yeah. could be. I and, and it is. Yeah. But it also gets passed down culturally. A hundred percent. It's interesting you mentioned your dad. Can we share the fun fact about your dad and his brother, like the original Kelsey's? Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, so my <laughs> so cool. <laughs> so my dad played football for the uh, for the Washington Redskins, mm-hmm. and his brother Eddie was on the football on the Redskins at the same time that he was. So cool. Um, and uh, anyway, they're the first brother and brother team in the NFL, or brother and brother players on the same team That's at the same awesome. time. Yeah. Were either of them dating famous musicians? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Though my dad did date, uh, I think, two Miss Americas. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's yeah. cool. And then my uncle, hes uh, he was a defensive lineman. My father was a kicker. He okay. was the peacemaker in the family. Okay. Um, and my uncle uh, was a defensive lineman. And the story that I've always been told, and I don't know if it's true or not, was that back in those days when you went to camp, so you'd go try out for a professional football team, there would be a week or two weeks of practice, and then there would be a cut. Okay. Um, and the night before that cut, the rookies would all have to do a talent show. Oh. Talent being in quotes. Okay. And then there would be another week and a scrimmage, and after that scrimmage, they would do the second round of cuts, and then that was the final team was left. Okay. So my uncle goes to try out for a team. I don't remember which one. And he went for two weeks, and they were going to cut him. Okay. Um, and the night of the talent show – he did a comedy routine that was so funny that they didn't have the heart to cut him. Oh my that god, day. that's where you get it from. Maybe right. So they 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 pulled his ticket. They didn't they didn't like put the tag in the locker that says you're going to be gone. Yeah. And he played for another week, and they were going to cut him at the end of that week. Uh huh. But during the scrimmage, a fight broke out on the field between the two teams, and my uncle they they finally break it up and they pull everyone off until the coaches realized that my uncle is still on the field fighting someone. Oh, my God. And they decided he was such a, a fighter Go that <laughs> they're going to, all right, let's keep this guy. Yeah. So they kept him for a year. He ended up having a really long career as a player and then coached in the NFL for most of his career. Wow. Uh, and it's funny what two or three weeks will do. Yeah. Right? That's really interesting. Yeah. Huh. That's very cool. Yeah. I like it. we got Miss Americas. we got comedy. <laughs> Do you know what the joke is that he told? It was a, he reenacted uh, a comedy routine that was done by uh, a comedian at the time about Julius Caesar. Okay. And I don't, I can't recreate it. Um, okay. For a whole bunch of reasons, I can't recreate it. <laughs> and I won't. Um, That's okay. <laughs> but it was, it was typical of the times. Okay. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, have you watched Dave Chappelle's new special? I have not. Oh. I need to, though. Yeah, you do. Is it good? Um, yeah. All of his stuff's good. He's a genius. Yeah, he is. And uh, I know people have mixed opinions about him and some of the topics that he chooses to uh, make fun of. But 
I think he plays a really important role in society. And uh, while I don't know if I would like the special as much if I didn't know the trajectory of his career and like who watched a Dave Chappelle special and not laughed through most of it, you know? Yeah, he's amazing at tying threads together. Oh, um, yeah. He does that that whole killing me softly yeah. with the baby. And uh, like that's an amazing, uh, amazing routine. Yes. But he, he also, you know, he does what I think I, I'm not saying I agree with him about everything or even that everything mm-hmm. he says he agrees with. I sure. don't know. But I think testing boundaries mm-hmm. is really an important thing to do. It's sort of like you talked about in your last episode with we've got to, to push and be uncomfortable. Yeah. And sometimes comedy is a good way to talk about things that we can't talk about otherwise. 100%. You know, your chair is another place where people get to talk about things that it's kind of a safe place yeah. to, to, to say things. And you know if we can't talk about it, then if there's no way to, to introduce the subject matter, mm-hmm. how do we deal with it? Completely agree. So, no, I'm interested to watch it. I haven't seen it. I think you should. Let me know when you do. Uh, I have found that I, in hindsight, probably have been too quick to jump on the cancel train with certain things. And I think collectively, we probably swang a little too sensitive and uh, I don't know if that was like during COVID when everybody everybody was just sensitive to everything, understandably, lots of time at home and just like your whole life's been turned upside down. But this whole canceling thing, uh, I think that it, it doesn't allow for grace of evolution. And uh, obviously using the N word and blackface and like certain, th- certain things are objectively bad. Sure. But I think when it comes to, there's a lot of nuance in comedy. And I think that like you said, that is kind of like a last frontier where you can explore certain things. And I think that you should be able to do it safely. Yeah. And, and the, the, the not paying attention to nuance is a really important point, I think, mm-hmm. because, and we see it with my work, um, but we see it socially too. If everything is a one or a zero, mm-hmm. it's either good or bad. It's either it, it, worse than that. It's either great or it's evil. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty dramatic, those are polar opposites and there's totally. a lot of, a lot in between. And I mean, part of what we have to do in, in my job is to try and to to tell stories, but to identify the nuance, to explain the nuance. Yes, we are we are not. In some ways, we're simple. Like people are just a, a simple species, mm-hmm. but we're also really complex. And whenever Absolutely. we live so much in our brains and such a cerebral, you know. Uh, species, I guess we are mm-hmm. um, like that. It's it's complicated. Absolutely. And, and one of the things about cancellation, to whomever it's applied, is it can be too simple. Yes. But then then there there are examples that you and I could both give of behaviors that should never be tolerated, yeah. but they absolutely are. And it's inexplicable sometimes why they are mm-hmm. when other people are absolutely shut out. And I don't know. But then it. All that then ties back to my whole redemption thing, mm-hmm. which is, you know, you see this with comedians who get, you know, they commit career suicide. And then if they pay penance long enough, then, well, it's okay for them to come back. Right. And I think that's because people love, a, a, you know, they love Rocky. They love the the, yes. the redemption story. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Louis C.K. immediately jumps that's into my mind. That's who I thought mind. of, too. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, objectively, what he did, like, at best was just gross. But, like, at <laughs> it worst. It definitely was gross. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but on the other side of that, it's like, that man is hilarious. He's very funny. <laughs> yeah, he kind of came out of nowhere for me. Like, yeah. his brand of humor was different yeah. than, uh, than a lot of what was happening at the time. Yeah. It, then it also creates this, this or it, it highlights it like a, a duality situation where someone can be really funny and then mm-hmm. do something really awful. Yeah. I don't know. Separating the art from the artist, I think, is a really important thing to do. 
in most cases, but not all. But I think with him, it's if he wasn't fucked up a little bit, would he be as funny? Right. Doubt it. Doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And and yeah. musicians who do gross things, you're like, oh, you're you're clearly a creative genius. Like your brain works differently. Like we see that in in the beauty of your work. And I think there's probably another side of the coin to that where it manifests in a in a dark or creepy or uncomfortable way also. Sure. Um and so I think that yeah, I don't know. I, I've really been examining this whole cancellation thing lately and just collectively how I think we've done society a disservice by quickly eliminating people. Shane Gillis is a great example. He was going to... Do you know who Shane Gillis is? I, I do, but you may have to elaborate this on the story. He was... Um, he's a comedian and he was going to be on SNL and he was announced as a new cast member and then some old tweets. And I think they were like eight, nine, ten years old. Some old tweets came up and they were racist. But I don't remember what they were at all. They may have been racist and funny, but they they were, you know, right. inappropriate. They wouldn't they would not pass muster today. They would not pass muster today. But this they they weren't tweeted in today, you know? Right. And I think that his career skyrocketed and plummeted all in like a day because of something that a former version of himself did. And the version of me eight years ago doesn't exist anymore. And so it's like, how do you decide how long in the past somebody should be held accountable for something that they did, especially if it's something as simple as writing some words? Like it wasn't Hail Hitler, you know? Right. I don't know. Maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but like... I don't know. I hope that I get better every day. It, that, exactly. And, and, Same. And, and, there's a funny thing. I, I, it's the it's like the Sixteen Candles effect. Do you remember mm-hmm. that movie? Oh yeah. Like you can't make that movie today. Correct. But it was viewed roundly as funny. No one raised a question about it back then. Or maybe Absolutely. somebody did, but I didn't see it if they did. Yeah. It was a woman, and she wasn't allowed to share her opinion. Probably, probably. <laughs> um. <laughs> you couldn't hear her over the beeping of the oven. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, the the yeah, but but like there there is that effect. And then you look at there. I mean, there are comedians today who are really who are who are pillars in comedic history. Yeah. And they did things that were routines that would be roundly condemned today. Absolutely. Um, and it's really, it's an interesting, I don't know why some people get away with it and some people don't. Yeah, that's that's an interesting thing. But then it's like, do you just, I, I think probably a lot of creatives living in fear, especially now, live in fear of being canceled. And so they just don't put their, their art out there. And that's also not good because then collectively society doesn't get to benefit from probably some beautiful work. Right. Well, I feel oddly uncomfortable even talking about cancel culture because that can be like, I could get canceled for that. Uh, like, I, I mean, right? You know but I mean? isn't that like crazy? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. I don't know. It's just like, I think uh, maybe that's a secondary thing theme for me this year and something to think about. Uh, collectively, if we could all just be less rigid and pay attention to the nuance in certain things. Well, I agree. And I also think intent is an important part of that too. Yeah, that's huge. And, you know, someone can say something benign, mm-hmm. but with really malicious intent. Absolutely. And that should be condemned. Yes. And then people can say something that sounds really malicious, but with benign intent or yeah. ignorance. Yeah. And there, there ought to be a little bit of capacity for understanding there. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see how that develops. I'm interested that that's something that's on your mind. And, yeah. you know, with, with social media being what it is, mm-hmm. it's so easy to quickly condemn something or mm-hmm. praise it. And that goes back to the loss of truth, right? So yeah. I don't know. I mean, I see videos posted and then there'll be an explanation of context. Mm-hmm. And so one I've seen, seen recently, and I'm probably like way late in the game on this, mm-hmm. but like there'll be a, 
a video of a horrible interaction between like a child and their parent. Oh, interesting. And it'll look like the child is awful. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be a clarifying post that'll be like, this was part of an educational video that was created to show how uh, not to interact with people. But someone posted as though it actually happened. Yes. And you don't know. Correct. You don't know. But we pass judgment really quickly. I've been guilty of that. Same, of um, course. Passing judgment really quickly based on something that I see, and I don't know if it's real. Yes. You get this tiny sliver of somebody, and it's not, it's just not accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Deep stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I love. Like, it's funny. Robert was like, what do you want to talk about? And I'm like, how long has it been? I don't know, but it's oh. 20 past the hour. Okay. Have you ever heard the story that the conversation lapses at 20 past the hour? No. Is that your way of saying wrap it up? No, 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 no. I'm not. <laughs> not, not at all. <laughs> no, but there's a story that there's a theory that I that I used to hear that at parties there will be a sudden silence at 20 minutes past the hour. Oh. You've never heard that? No, that's interesting. Yeah, and and so we just kind of hit the end of a conversation point or a thread. Yeah. And, and I looked at my watch. It's 20 past the hour. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, well, it works. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, I appreciate how much this conversation has completely meandered. And like I was going to say, when you're like, what do you want to talk about? I'm like, I don't, I really enjoy how uncurated these episodes are because when I woke up today, no part of me was like, I'm going to talk about bonobo apes with Robert later. Like, you know, but I Oh, think- I knew we were. <laughs> <laughs> that was the main thing I wanted to talk about. <laughs> you played so coy by letting me bring it up. <laughs> Long game. <laughs> Makes all the difference. Got to play the long game. That's right. <laughs> so funny. Uh, I think, so I was emailing a future guest and kind of explaining the concept of the, po- the podcast and what to expect and stuff like that. And something that I mentioned is I think, and especially after COVID, the art of conversation is a bit lost. And uh, I benefit from what I do. I'm having really great one-on-one conversations with people that I now have long-term relationships with. But a lot of people don't have that. Or they are exposed to people that they're in like a very zipped up kind of professional type of thing so they can't be themselves. And I think just the, the art of conversation, I think, is kind of slipping away, especially as people move more digital than analog. And so I appreciate conversations like this that have taken so many turns, but I think are interesting. I think they are too. And I think humor helps a lot. Like when we we talked about this a little bit before we started the show, but being able to introduce humor and as part of our conversation um, allows us to talk about a lot of different things. And I don't mean even hard things, Um, but it's uh, it, it makes conversation fun. And it's one of the things I look forward to to coming into your shop because of the conversations that we have and some of your team too. Like, I mean, it's, (laughs) we have funny conversations and I look forward to that. We talk about serious things too. Yeah. I think that you can talk about serious things while not taking yourself too seriously. And at the end of the day, I just like to have a good time, man. So, so (laughs) you've mentioned COVID a couple of times and I have a a working theory and this is nothing brilliant at all. I'm sure there are a million people who know a lot more than I do about it, but it's dawned on me recently that I personally felt like, okay, we got to a point where there are vaccines, there are the healthcare professionals know better how to treat this. Yeah. You know, it's it's made its rounds. People have been exposed to it. Everyone's back in school, back at work, or however that is. Like we're there 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 are things on the shelves in the in the store. Sure. But I don't think the more I think about it, I don't think that we're that we are that we have processed that event 
in a way. At like all. the repercussions of that event are going to carry on for a long time 100%. in ways that I never expected. Do you, do you have thoughts about that? Yes, I think you're 100% correct. And I think that it's in the way that I, okay, so I'm single and I date. I date a lot, well, I meet a lot <laughs> of people to potentially date who clearly have not dealt with trauma. And you haven't taken it upon themselves to go to therapy and to, to do the work. Mm. And I think collectively as a country or really as a, as a globe, that is also being played out. I think people have ignored a lot of what happened and a lot of the just crazy themes and things that happened. And it's like, oh, everything's fine. Let's just act like that never happened. And you can't act like a collective trauma didn't happen. Like that rewired everything for us as a society. The prices on everything will never go back to the same. I mean, we're still seeing like literal ripple effects and impact of it. And yeah, 100%. And I I don't think that there's anybody who's trying to facilitate any Mm. sort of beneficial growth from it. (laughs) Yeah, or pay attention to it, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, I was thinking about that on the way over here today. So, I mean, as as you have a small business, I have a small business. Mm -hmm. And we both face something, different kinds of businesses, but where the whole world changed in, a, in what felt like a day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I remember you you were being responsible and your your shop was closed for a long mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had to change the way that we do that we do work. And then when, even when we came back, like, I never envisioned a world where we would be wearing face masks yeah. while we're getting a haircut and you're yeah. putting hair. That's just weird to see. Oh yeah. And it's like seeing a car crash in a way or something. I mean, it's like a traumatic event because yeah. it's so weird to see that or to see empty shelves where there's food. And mm-hmm. like, I mean, there's a huge food insecurity problem uh, globally and in our country today, Absolutely. but it was exacerbated mm-hmm. um, through that. And it was, and it, it probably brought things home to a lot of us when you walk into a grocery store and there's nothing on the shelves. Yeah. Cause that's something you know? we are like, Oh, it's not going to affect me. Right. And then, Oh, it's interesting. I got, well, I referenced that I was sick in December and I was, I felt well enough to go to work for a couple of days kind of on the tail end. And so I wore a mask to work and I told people, you know, like I'm, shouldn't be contagious anymore. I'm wearing a mask just to be, you know, precaution. I don't want to get, don't want to get anybody sick, yeah. which I hope everybody will start doing. If you're sick, just put on a mask. It's okay. But it was interesting because I hadn't worn a mask to work since we lifted all of the mask guidelines. And it was this like, I did have a little PTSD of like, God, this feels so weird. Like I forgot how much my ears hurt at the end of the day and how much it feels weird to not like see your face and like your mouth moving. I mean, the way that people perceive, and especially people with learning disabilities who maybe need the benefit of seeing lips move. And I mean, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, I do that. Like my hearing is not great. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I often have to kind of do a combination of listening and lip reading. Yeah. And it's much harder for me to understand someone when their face is covered. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, I kind of can't believe that we went through that in hindsight, you know? Yeah. But in the, in the moment you're like, tell me, I just want to do the right thing. Tell me what to do. I'll do it. I want to be a team player, but yeah, I mean, yeah, at least nothing else dramatic, like a, a, a ride at the Capitol happened that year too. They you were know, not masked. That's a strange year. <laughs> I'd be really curious to see well, the COVID numbers, like just based on that riot. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. Darwinism. Because, yeah, I kind of enjoyed if I were going into a hard meeting, being able to wear a mask. It's yeah. like, oh, I'm not going to make faces at this, you know. That's totally um, true. So you're not going to see my upper lip sweating. <laughs> I'm so confident. <laughs> oh man. So what's your next trip? Um, the only thing that I have planned right now is, uh, Montreal with my best friend, Natalie, uh, oh, nice. later this spring. Yeah. Do a little girls trip like we do. And I'm sure more will come up, but yeah, nothing's booked. That's good. Yeah. 
yeah, something to look forward to. Yeah, I, I have to have something to look forward to. I'll kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Because <laughs> where would I get my hair cut then? Oh my God, no one else is going to cut room for your headphones like I do. Right, no one's right. going to do it like that. I mean, oh yeah, and I care about you too. But like, <laughs> like finding someone else to cut my hair would really be that'd be rough. I know that if you're listening, this is obviously just audio. But like, I literally call Robert Becky with a good hair because he has such fucking good hair. Um, so it really would be traumatic for you to lose me. <laughs> <laughs> You are not a great clips guy. <laughs> you need a good haircut. <laughs> I love it. Well, Robert, is there anything else that you want to discuss? You know, not that I can think of right now. I mean, there there are a million things we could always talk yeah. about. Um, <laughs> but no, this is a this is like I said, this is my I didn't say this before. It's my first time on a, a podcast like this, and so it's really cool to get to sit here. I'm really honored to be included. Uh, I'm really happy that you're doing this. It's a great thing, and I'm glad other people get to experience what it's like sitting in your chair and having conversations like this. Thank you, Robert. Well, you are a delight in and out of the chair, of course, or else I wouldn't have invited you up here. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, thank you so much for your time. Truly, I know how valuable your time is, and I appreciate that you chose to spend some additional hours with me today. If you're listening, Happy New Year. I hope that your 2024s are your best years yet. Matt. Please give us a follow on Instagram at Clover Club Pod. And friendly reminder that listeners always get 10% off at hawkinsandclover.com with promo code Clover Club, all caps. And uh, we will hear you next week. Robert, thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. <laughs> Trey Bien. How was, how was that? That's great. Is it okay? Yeah. I had fun. I just, yeah. I, I always feel like I'm going to look stupid. Well, you um, can't. Yours so. is only audio. It's too late. No, look. <laughs> Sound. Okay, now now we're dice. We're drawing things a little bit close.